When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, baseball family. This week, we're going to have a conversation with Jim Edmonds. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome back, baseball family, to another episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brig, and on the other side of the world today is the Brad Man. Somewhat he's usually over here, like <laughs> and today he's over here. On your left. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, he's on the opposite side of the screen for the YouTubers. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's how it goes. Anyway, we are going to skip current events again today. We have ha- a great conversation that we want to share with you with a former big leaguer, current Valley Sports Cardinals TV analyst, and uh, a great guy. So stay tuned for Jim Edmonds right now. Welcome back, baseball family. We have a very special guest for you today. We're excited to bring him on. Four-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, World Series champion and owner of one of the greatest catches in MLB history. He's currently an analyst for the Cardinals TV. We have Jim Edmonds. How are you, Jim? I'm good. You look like you're reading your notes over there. So I just I was reading my notes. Yeah, I'm going to call you out a little bit on that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you being here. We are uh, really excited to talk about a couple of things. Specifically, we want to know, um, well, we want to get our, our let our fans know you a little bit better. So we're going to break the ice with a rundown that we do. You're getting ready to get caught in a rundown. Oh, and uh, we're going to rapid fire hit you with some questions. You ready? Yep. First question, what is your quest? Oh, uh, my quest is over. I just want to be left alone now. (laughs) 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 Um, I don't have a quest. Yeah, I don't don't have a quest. I'm trying to be a a good father, a good uh, husband, and a good person. That's my quest now. I I tried the baseball thing. It, It worked out for a while, but this part of life is a lot tougher. Yeah. That's awesome. Really is. All right. Next question. What is your favorite color? Um, red for the Cardinals. Awesome. Uh, if the Cardinals were a beverage, what would they be? Tequila. <laughs> that family friendly? <laughs> yeah. You good. You good. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Diet Coke or tequila? <laughs> Maybe tequila in a Diet Coke. <laughs> and just ice. <laughs> right besides original what is the best sunflower seed flavor oh man gosh i really don't like them um i guess i could deal with barbecue the most i got kids man and my son he's got the dill pickle and the ranch and the uh they have fire like i don't i can't even i'm just like don't they just have the old school david with the little red and blue and or whatever it is and I, now i go in there and i'm like do you guys have sunflower seeds and they're like yeah they're right there i'm like oh those are sunflower seeds <laughs> so many different kinds you know it's it's unbelievable it's true it's true mm-hmm. um other than your sunflower seed opinion do you have another unpopular opinion <laughs> yeah i'm not a big fan of joe biden yeah. I don't know why that's on my mind. I guess because I turn on Fox News every morning and or all the news channels. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of what's going on in the world right now. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is sad. Yeah. Is there a maximum allowable age that it's appropriate for an adult to bring a baseball glove to a baseball game? Um, ooh. No. Well, okay. Let's that's two different angles on this. I would say no before. But now the net. So I would say that you don't need a baseball glove if you're, you know, sitting down low. But no, I, I think that um, 
I think, yeah, I'm going to go backwards. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe as a grown man, maybe as, yeah, I think you don't need a glove if you're a grown man, right? What do you guys think? I'm going to go with, all the time. <laughs> I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm going to go with like 18, 16. Okay. I don't know. My son doesn't take a, a glove to the games and he's 16. So I think he either get out of the way or, 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 or own it, but I have one piece. I have one piece of advice for everyone out there: Do not try to catch a foul ball that is coming in hot. Get out of the way. Yep. Yeah, nice. I think you're right on that. One. Good so, question. I'm follow up question on that though: What if you are sitting in the outfield though? Is that coming in pretty hot out there? I mean, I've never honestly never caught a home run ball, so I don't know how fast that's coming in. It seems like it'd be coming in pretty quick. Well, I've I got do. little like girly hands, and I don't want to break yeah. a finger. You don't look like you have girly hands with that, you know, that maybe that beard is he hiding behind that beard. Yeah. Yeah. Compensating. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think that you can handle it. I, I don't think that it's going to be an easy catch, but it, you know, by, by all means it's, it's slowing down a little bit. Awesome. Good to know. I'm going to use Can that you... on the broadcast though. I like that question. I'm going to ask Danny that. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Uh, Mike, what next question is, uh, what is your favorite baseball movie? Um, I think Bull Durham, maybe. I think that's really the only one I've really gotten through. You know, I, some of the other ones that are far-fetched. I think it's the closest one to maybe being real. I love Kevin Costner. He's uh, a friend of mine. Um, he's from Southern California. Gotten to meet him a bunch. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I really like his movies. But I really think Bull Durham is probably as close, uh, as realistic as you can get. Like start to finish or just the baseball parts? Um, kind of the whole, I, I don't know about start to finish, but the good portion of it, like even the whole, um, you know, thing with the, with the, 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 the white, the, you know, the mom, um, housing the players, I don't know about the relationship part, but it seems a little awkward with Nick Lelouch or whatever his name is, Nick <laughs> Lelouch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think the whole thing, like, you know, guys meet like that, what is her name? Millie and they get married mm -hmm. right there on the field and then the baseball part and then guys trying to you know figure out a way to get a day off with the rain delay and the, the sprinklers and the drinking and the bus rides and the and the fights and all yeah i think it's pretty realistic it really is yeah i think he did a really nice job capturing even though what people probably don't think it's real but pretty good job that's awesome love it if baseball was an ice cream flavor what would it be that's a really strange question <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I can't answer that one. I guess. Skip. Let's come back to that one. Okay. All right. Would I you sign, out of that one? Would you sign a petition to have Rob Man for a decommissioned? Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really. I don't know if 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 it's his fault what goes on in the world today with baseball, or if it's just the baseball path that's been created over time. I, I try not to get involved in that stuff. I actually, to be honest with you, don't. When I go home, I, I shut it down. You know, I didn't follow the strike. People kept asking me what's going on and the lockout and all that because um, it kind of just goes up and down so much each day. I just felt like, and even when I played, I didn't really pay attention to all the offseason moves. I just figured when it's time to go to work, I'll know who's on my team. When it's time to go to work now, I'll know that where my broadcasts are going to be and I'll go from there. I don't like to get caught up in all of that um, that stuff. So I'm gonna say uh, no. I wouldn't. I don't need. I don't think. I don't think we need a a, a new commissioner just as yet because I think anyone else out there is probably going to be stuck in the same same boat. You know, I think the baseball issues have been um, the issues of time. You know, I, the one thing I do not like is change. I think they're trying too hard to change the sport. Um, to make it something else. And I just, you know, it's kind of like watching the NFL now, if you kind of touch the quarterback, even though I think it's important to protect the quarterback, um, especially with the speed of the game now, I think that they need to like tighten it up a little bit. And same with baseball. I think they need to go back to some of the rules and kind of just um, baseball's baseball. You can't, you know, it's not meant to be sped up or slowed down or, you know, you, the, the double play thing drives me insane, even though the, double plays that our team turns is they're unbelievable because now you're still the ball to second base at any time and it can't be broken up. So 
I guess if you have a team like that, you want to see the second baseman saved. But I also think that the old school ways of getting a run across, uh, breaking up a double play is part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we awesome. actually had um, a guest on last week that kind of changed our thought on, on the commissioner that we've been like our lane for a long time had been that he does need to be out yeah, as would, commissioner. Like but we kind of softened on that. So tell me why I'd like to hear this. I think it's interesting. Yeah, he said um, that it was the owners. He's basically an employee of the owners, yeah. and you know they they're calling the shots. He's kind of the scapegoat figurehead, um, and we're all calling for his head on a pike. But we don't have the full uh, information. That that's basically that's, what we said. That's actually really true. And if you think about that, how bizarre is the fact that the commissioner of baseball is run by the ownership and not a group? And that's why I was saying time has put that man there. You know, even when Bud Selig was there, no one really liked him, but he was just doing what he was told to do. And, you know, the strikes and the lockouts and stuff are going to happen. I wish they would. um, I wish they could figure out a way to manage it where it's just on an escalating scale and a percentage that will stay in place for, say, 20 years. Because I think the fans don't want to see this every two and three and four years. And Mm. um, the one thing, too, also is, you know, like there's so many things that, that can be honed in as far as the salary caps and the and the money spent versus money taken in and then the players are asking to up the you know the minimum salary from say 550 to eight or whatever it's pennies compared to all of the other stuff that comes after you make your mark so i see it both ways and i just think there's too much asking on both sides to just kind of keep the game flowing for the sake of the game but i i do agree with whoever that was as he is just a kind of a little bit of a figurehead yeah. No. Um, which current MLB pitcher would you take yard and not just yard, but the deepest? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I, I've learned to respect the game a little bit more, but uh, I'm going to say Adam Wainwright just because he's my buddy and I'd love to hit a home run off of him. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, I owe him. He struck me out a couple times when I was with the, uh, I was with the Brewers. So I owe him one. Last question for you. What baseball movie needs to be made? Is there a storyline that you've been a part of or have always loved that that really just needs to be made into a film? You know, the thing with baseball is the the you know, in the past was so wide open. I don't know if you could like let everyone know what was going on behind the scenes. Um I love the Rick and Kill story, the book. Um I think the minor leagues, the real minor league story um, would be cool if someone that maybe went through the minor leagues for 10, 11 years uh, and then got called up. You see it starting to happen a little bit more. But I also think um, the Latin story, I think, is important. I think the Cuban story would be amazing. Um, you know, we were just doing a thing. Uh, Jorge Soler was just here with us um, playing against the Cardinals and. You know, I believe the story was he was 18 and him and his father took a boat over to get out of Cuba. I mean, can you imagine that story? And I think they're on the boat for a while, not wow. just a day or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they risked everything, you know, um, yeah. and there's a few of those guys. I, I think that, you know, when those players actually still talk about it, tears come to their eyes of what the, you know, the opportunity opens up and the chances that their family could still be punished back in Cuba. Um I think that's an interesting story. I think the minor league to get to the big leagues over time is a good one. But I think that the Latin story, even the Dominican and the uh, Edgar Renteria in Colombia, but the Cuban story is pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, I those would be, man, those would be awesome. I hadn't even thought uh, about that. I mean, Edgar, Edgar Renteria told me that they would hit a bottle cap with a broomstick and his glove was a milk carton wow. growing up. So I think those are untouched. Yeah, yeah. they are. That's awesome. awesome. Well, that's All a great right, well, one to end on. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into more of the nitty gritty and, and everything with Jim Edmonds. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back with me root. Root, root for the home to stay. 
don't win, it's a shame. Four, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Shop kids' baseball strips at 9plusss.com. The Nonther Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between. You can find the Nonther Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. Again, we are here with Jim Edmonds, a former big leaguer, current TV analyst for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Jim, I got to tell you, the I mean, the catch, right, with the Angels, how well, does it feel to be known for one of the greatest, if not the greatest catch in Major League Baseball? Like, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so um, cool. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I really think that, um, you know, uh, put it in perspective, too, is – after I made the play, I ran into Willie Mays the next year. No way. Yeah. And um, so Barry Bonds introduces me to Willie Mays in the tunnel in a giant stadium. It was a candlestick when both teams were still on the same side. And uh, he says, Jim Edmonds, this is Willie Mays. Willie, you know, this is Godfather, whatever. And says, I heard you made some kind of catch. And I was just like, uh, yeah, nice to meet you, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of cool. You know, it's interesting um, every time around this year that, you know, the anniversary or you get some kind of uh, highlights and, you know, it's interesting. I think it's something that at least hasn't gone away with time. I mean, you know, there's so many good plays. Um, I, it's flattering. It really is. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty good catch and, um you know, there's there's others that are out there that are pretty good too, and you know they're all different degrees of difficulty. Uh, just saw one the other night where the kid I, I can't even think of where he was. He just got called up. I think he was in Milwaukee, and he dove and he literally hit the wall with his face oh, yeah, yeah. as he hit the ground. And so those kind of things, man, those are those are gnarly. And just to be in, involved in that, I think is pretty cool. At least you have some kind of legacy, and over time, you know. It's, the home runs go away a little bit unless you hit a big one. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. What happens in that moment? Does, does you know, kind of your auto instinct take over? Is that something you're tracking the whole way? Um, is it a combination of both? Like what, how does that even take place? Yeah. You know, um, I learned at an early age that defense was just as important. And, uh, you know, I just caught, got caught shallow on a hanging curveball, And I, I think the the winning tying run and winning run were on base, and even though it was in July, it was or June, I think. What month are we in right now? Who knows? June, yeah. <laughs> Can't keep it straight. Um, yeah. And I realized I was just like, if I don't catch this ball, the game's gonna, you know, we're gonna be losing or we're gonna lose. And so I just took off and ran. And the way it was lofted in the air, I could keep. I turned the wrong way a little bit to get back, and. I could remember it kind of tailing back over my head and I could see it because it was kind of coming straight down. You know, it's like if you're playing football, you can kind of watch the ball all the way. And even though you can tell it's going over, it can, you know, you can switch sides. And it's kind of what happened. I knew where it was going to be and knew how it was coming down and just thought I'd take a chance. And I made a play very similar to it in Venezuela um, two years prior. And so I was like, well, you know, I just got to catch this ball any way possible. And then when it hit my glove, all I could think of was, do not let this pop out because you just wasted. <laughs> you know, can you imagine if it rolled out? It would be oh. like, it wouldn't even be the greatest catch never to be made. It would just never be on a, a show ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because didn't you so make that same, like a similar catch in St. Louis as well? Um, well, there was a couple going back up against the wall, you know, mm-hmm. or, or jumping on the wall. But yeah, I mean, I think that just, Basically, I loved being able to go out there and, and play defense because offense is so difficult. You know, it's you're relying on a good pitch, hit a ball hard, no one being around on the field to catch it, where defense is just you, you know, and it's just basically I always tell the young guys now, it's just a want to. You have to want to play defense if you want to be good. So 
that's kind of the way I looked at it. I loved playing defense. Like, yeah. I, I was always so nervous getting in the box, but man, when we went out on yeah. defense, I was so much more comfortable. I loved Me it too. Man, well, my but... first year, my first year in Anaheim full time. So my second year, Marcel Latchman said, Hey, you know, you're a center fielder. And I started hitting like 230. And he said, You keep playing defense. I'm not taking you out of the lineup. And so that gave me the confidence and gave me the, the realization that this is just as important as hitting. And so that's why I kind of took that all in stride and, and tried to raise my game. That's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so you Speaking talked of, about how uh, – hold on, Brig. I, I want to yeah. tail on, on something he said here about oh, right. a game in June, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we hear, oh, it's just a game in May. It's just a game in April. Is there as much emphasis put on games – in the first 50 games of the season as there are the last 50 games of the season, or is there more urgency to win those in those last 50? I would think that around the league, I would say that the urgency comes up late, but in St. Louis, those, the urgency is from day one. And I think that's what separates good teams from average teams is, and the one thing that I did learn was, you know, you win that game in April, May, June, that you don't have to win in September and October or September. Um, because you've already taken care of it. And then that gives you that two or three extra game lead. And then when you get down the stretch, the teams that are younger and, and, and less experienced don't know how to win those games. And so when they're trying to catch up, they're not um, able to keep it together for six months window. And so you take advantage of that too. So it's kind of like this edge that you have um, that Larusa taught us that, you know, Hey, Instead of going into extra innings and hoping the game ends, it's like going to extra innings, you know, trying to win and get it over with and, and pay attention to these things. And then in September, you're not going to be grinding it out with all the teams that are, are not as good as you because you've already put them, you know, way back in the standings. So, yeah, I think in St. Louis and probably in a couple other places, the importance is winning all the time. Yeah, that's that's something we talk about, too, all the time is that, like, I feel like there's sometimes there's teams in in April where they won't put in a pinch runner. Yeah, you know, when, when they should. It's like that's that could be the difference between you making the playoffs and missing. And yeah, it gets frustrating as a fan sometimes. Well, yeah, and the fine lines. I think the fine line with that, too, is also as, as we as fans get caught up in that when there might be the thought process as um, if I burn this guy now and we go to extra innings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's why they wait till they get to second base or, you know, why you see, you know, certain things. I I'm still learning every day because of what the knowledge that we don't have watching, especially for us in the, in the booth. This other day it came up, uh, a story came up where we had an opportunity to, I think Albert was coming up third and they pinched hit, the first two guys, and it was either Gorman or Donovan. And I said, I would use Don. There's a guy on first and no one out or one out, and it's the winning run. And I said, Gorm- I said, Donovan, then Gorman. And I went downstairs, and Ollie said, No, it's Don, it's Gorman, Donovan, because of this. And I didn't realize, but Donovan hits the ball on the ground more often than Gorman does. That's one thing that we don't know. And so they have those stats there. and it was like a 15% difference chance that, that Donovan would hit a ball on the ground versus Gorman. And so they flipped the pinch hitting, even though that you would think Gorman would give you a better at bat. Um, but he said, guy on base, Gorman, no guy on base, Donovan. And so just like that, I, I think that we as fans don't really understand how much is going into every decision. Yeah, that's awesome. It's kind yeah, of eye-opening awesome. for me that how much further it goes when you're down there, even though – if you're on the field, you understand it, but it's things you forget just watching casually. It's really cool to hear that you're still learning about the game, that you're still, you know, able to learn and engaged in it. I mean, because it is a lifelong thing, right? Both yeah. learning is a mentality, right? It's not just something we go and do. How have yeah. you taken that from the field to your current role as an analyst? Well, I just feel like those are the things you learn from talking to the manager or talking to people downstairs that, you know, you would only know if you have their information, but it's to me and my job of basically um, just like what we were just talking about is to educate the fans on, you know, I know this is probably a great spot to pinch run, but if you burn this guy in the eighth inning, if they bring in so-and-so in the ninth, you don't have that pinch hitter. 
Um, you know, and, and very fair, very few times does that guy end up either coming around to score or getting thrown out because he can't run. So, uh, yeah, there's sometimes it backfires, but I think the, the thought process is always what's the next move unless it's right there at bottom of the ninth and you're losing by a run. Yeah. Um, is there, I mean, you alluded to this, but it sounds like part of your role is to make the game more accessible to the fans in your current role right now. Is that, is that the angle you've been asked to take or is that something you've taken upon yourself? Um, well, I, you know, as an analyst, you're supposed to explain the game to the people at home. And my thing is, I think you can see what's going on, right? So why am I explaining it? Um, and I think everyone watching games talks too much. So I feel like I sit back and wait for an opportunity. And sometimes it's just pointing things out. And sometimes there's a teaching moment. Um, it's funny. I talked to John Jay yesterday, played the outfield for a long time and he was doing college games. And we were talking about doing TV and he said, you know, I found it was really interesting when you get a teaching moment so you can explain why, when, why, how, what, whatever. And I thought, you know, what? that's kind of my favorite part, too, is because, you know, I could be talking to you or I could be talking to my 16 year old son or I could be talking to an 80 year old diehard that just really hasn't heard that angle before. And sometimes I just sit there and watch the game, you know, so I try to let the game play. And then I try to just explain a little bit of what I see. You know, I was told to go to work. Don't look at a lot of notes. Tell us what's going on between those white lines that day at that time. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy um, to, to get a lot of words in, to not get a lot of words in. But um, I said something the other day and Danny looked over at me and he said, tell him why. Like whispered, you know, like, why? And I was like, oh, light went on. You know, like people are wanting to hear what's going on. Yeah. Not just, oh, that pitch is tough. You know, like, why is it tough? So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's, I think if you approach it that way, you kind of get a little bit more um, analytic about what's going on that we're watching. Well, we as that- fans appreciate it, honestly, because we love to sit and listen and we want the insider information. We want the deep <clears throat> stories. We want the justification why or why not. That's, that's some of our favorite. Uh, reasons we watch or, or even listen to radio broadcast teams. Um, we choose them based on how much information we're getting. Do you guys watch football? Yeah. So my favorite analysts are um, now Tony Romo. I think he does a really nice job, which I didn't think he would. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. And, he, and Chris Collinsworth is really good at explaining what's happening after or during, you know, like obviously he handed the ball off, but he talks about like, you see a, a running back or a, or an offensive tackle push his block to the next guy and then move upfield to get this guy. Is why he sprung. It wasn't just the blockers on the line, right? It was because one guy did two different things that maybe he wasn't um, supposed to do, yeah. but he did because he's so much better than everyone else. And I started watching the game in a different light, and it's pretty awesome. You know, you think about mm-hmm. like all the little things that you watch, and you're kind of like, I wonder why. Or you just don't even think of, and you see those guys on TV, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. You know, it's just yeah, another yeah. level, and you watch it at another level. And I think uh, Romo does a nice job, and that's the analyst. You know, I love listening to Joe Buck, but when you see him in Troy Aikman, you see him take the game to that next little thing, and they do such a nice job with their TV because they can really get highlights quickly and, and, and replays. And I think it's pretty cool. And so yeah. I, that's kind of, I feel like trying to get to the next level. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but speaking of kind of having like the inside, I mean, you're a player. We we weren't. I peaked in high school as far as baseball is concerned. <laughs> um, but we had a big brawl this weekend in Anaheim between Seattle and, and L.A., I guess you can call them. We call them Anaheim still. But yeah, me too. <laughs> good. Right, let's call them <laughs> that's good to know. That's yeah. good to know. Um, Don't let Artie hear that, though. the thing we're curious about though like is there ever actual like any actual rage in a base brawl or is it just mostly pent-up frustration like both teams had really been struggling up to that point yeah and then there was the whole thing with mike trout saturday night you know so like were they legitimately like mad at each other or is it just like we got to get this out of our system well i think it's emotions and i think um you know you don't like to be thrown at and so one guy you know and you feel it in the dugout when that's going on you don't necessarily want to fight. No one wants to get hurt, but you know, there's two ways to look at it. There's the one guy who's pissed, you know, pitcher's just doing what he's told. Um, the guy's getting thrown at. He's mad. Catcher's sticking up for 
you know, his pitcher. And then you might have other guys in the dugout on the other side that have been thrown at. They're pissed. But then you'll get a couple guys that are like grown up fighting or, you know, you know, you get a couple of the guys that are, um, you know, just don't have any etiquette and they might go take cheap shots and, and or a guy that is really mad might keep fighting. And so that makes other guys mad and then they get in there to break it up and guys start swinging and other guys take, you know, see a bad angle and think someone's, you know, and it just kind of it spills over. And then once tempers flare, you know, it's hard to back down. So. That's normally why you see a lot of pushing and shoving and, and very rarely do you see the um, extended version like you did the other day. But I think that's just, you know, there's some teams that are really um, adamant about sticking up for each other. And then there's some teams that might have a different um, group of people that have been, you know, in, in that kind of background where they don't mind fighting. And so you never know what's going on. I've been in a few where there's been some punches thrown and I've been in a few where nothing's been thrown and then a sucker punch was thrown and then, all heck breaks loose. So, um, yeah, there's a kind of, I mean, you, you know, there's a, there's a dynamic to most of them. And usually it's just like one guy is just protecting another guy. And then, but if there's a group of guys that are getting hit and one guy maybe just doesn't realize that, Hey, it's your turn. You're getting payback. And then he takes exception. There's like eight guys over there going, well, what about us? You know, like, and so basically people are just yelling out of the dugout. You hardly ever see what happened, which is, um, what, uh, what they did, um, uh, Jesse Winkler kind of went that way, you know, and so I didn't really see a whole the detail of it, but I did see the fight. It was pretty hairy. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty hairy. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Well, we've we've started seeing. I mean, this happens all the time. We see clubhouse dynamics and chemistry kind of bleed out into the dugout, and guys fight with each other in the dugout, and tempers rise, and frustrations get out of hand was there ever a guy in your career that you were like oh man this guy like i don't want to just just can't stand seeing this guy whether he's in my bench or the other bench it doesn't matter well there's always guys that irritate you right um but i think that um we've done a really nice job of keeping our our team kind of in check and i think that the one thing that the cardinals do is they you know you establish the veterans and they kind of have the rule um and I think that guys follow suit because we have a bunch of professionals. And, you know, I, I would imagine that there's can be some guys that maybe take that role a little too far. Or, you know, we've had a, a couple of cases I've heard where, you know, one guy's picking on another guy and they finally had enough. And, you know, I think that uh, you saw the thing with um, uh, in Philly a couple of years ago with, um, I think, of Bryce Harper, you know, yeah. and, you know, guys, some older guys take exception to guys maybe not hustling or guys doing a certain thing. And if the player, the younger player has a chip on his shoulder, you might get a, you know, you might get a talk back and it just depends on who you're talking to. But we've never really had that here in St. Louis as long as I've been here. And still to this day, it's pretty good. So really good chemistry is important. And I think this team right now has it in St. Louis uh, this year. And I think it's interesting to watch. It's fun because I'm on the plane with them every night traveling and it's pretty cool to watch because they're good kids. Yeah. We talk That's about awesome. St. Louis a lot and how it's just yeah. their perennial successes. And they they just – they win. They just know how to win baseball games, and they, they win all the time. And it's yeah. awesome. It's, it's a culture. You know, it really is. It's like the Yankees. Um, I think that, you know, they, they build culture. They're building it in L.A. right now. Again, um, you know, I, I think even though when you don't win, you build this – um, culture of baseball and, and, and athletes that respect each other, respect the game, play hard, and you're going to get good results, especially if you, I think I was saying this the other day, the culture is hard to build when you do what some of these teams do is you never keep any of your veterans. So you don't have anyone there older than say 26 to pass down. You know, you don't have a Molina, a Wainwright, a Pujols, even a Carpenter, you know, to pass down what they've t been taught in that organization. And when you look at like a Pittsburgh or say even a Tampa Bay or um, a couple other places, like the one thing they're missing is that they have good players, but the culture is different because they don't have a 37 year old, 35 year old, 33 year old guy who's been there the whole time. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they tend the Marlins, they tend to pass those guys along when they can trade for other guys which is great but then you have now put together a group of kids from all over the country and all over the baseball and so 
where's the culture very hard for the manager to be um responsible for um setting a culture with 25 different personalities if there's not some guy or two or three in that locker room 24 7 um breathing that same culture and so it you know the manager can't do it by himself and and kids get tired of listening to it so you got to have players in there that are willing to replicate that same idea do you ever yeah. see that that's the rub between front office management and clubhouse dynamics is does it start there because if i mean if you, like you said it would be hard for the manager to kind of keep the ship afloat if the front office is always making these changes for him and so yeah yeah what do you do uh, about that you can't and that, yeah. that that's the that's the problem is that's your culture if you want culture your front office has to understand it you know and our and i think our front office has understood it for a long time we have great ownership um i know that when i was here playing walt jockety was our general manager you knew he wanted to he, he wanted to win and he cared about you you know he'd call you in the winter he would ask you do you you played against so and so and so and so which one of these guys would you want to have on your team you know that goes a long way with players and then he comes down after games and says hey nice job or hey it'll be all right or i know you're playing hard don't worry about it and you you can feel that you know yeah. it helps when you don't just have the manager on your side and you can see the general manager and the owner and different owners coming down and supporting and it really does. It changes the way you feel about an organization. But I still believe, like I said, if you don't have, if you don't keep guys around um, it's, and you don't have a consistent managerial, you know, in group, it's very hard to build a culture over, you know, a 10 year window because you look at half these teams, they got, they don't have anyone on their team from five years ago, you know, let alone, you know, Wainwright from 14 years ago, you know, and Yachty and, um, I could see like Matt Carpenter was just here for 10 years. And, you know, if you don't have any of that, it's very hard to build a culture. Yeah. it. I I can't even imagine like as somebody who doesn't play professional baseball, that's one thing that I looked for in a job is consistency and turnover. I mean, it, I feel like it's just anywhere you work, but as far as like oh, the culture find, of a team, you'll find that and you'll find that in your own business, right? Yeah, if you yeah, were exactly. in a radio show and not doing your own podcast, you're always going to have somebody that doesn't believe in what you're trying to do or trying to push you into certain things. And you're just like, no, that doesn't work, but this is what we want you to do. And you're just like, all right, like whatever. So yeah, yeah, exactly. In there for a long time. Jeez, that's that's like it to another level. Well, at least you have culture, right? You have like they're Some. all going in the right direction. So. Yeah. But as far as like teams with culture, like was there ever a team that was like on your radar? Like I would love to play for those guys, or was there, or were there other teams you're like, I am not going anywhere near those guys. You tell your agent if they call, hang up, or just let it go to. Play. I only did that twice or two teams, and I won't say who because of the weather and the ballpark. But other than that, no. And I was very blessed um, to just go from Anaheim to St. Louis. You know, I had no no um, choice, but I got thrust into something that couldn't, couldn't be better. You know, it couldn't have been a better situation. Um, I'm still living here. I mean, you can see over my shoulder, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Uh, you know, it's amazing. Like I loved Anaheim. I grew up there. It was my home, but something about growing up and playing and, 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 and the, the different era of your life, you know, career, one thing, but life, um, as you get an adult, um, you get more, um, experiences. You know, I feel like when you're playing and you're still in your twenties, you're not really getting it. You know, I feel like you watch some of these young kids, they come up early and I keep saying, Oh, he's just 26. And that's all oh, he's been, but he's been in the leagues five years or four years. I'm like, it's not enough. You know, it's not, it, the season goes by really fast. And unless you change things in the off season, it's really hard to build um, as a player. And so I felt like I really grew between the years I was here and it really stuck with me. And then um, I don't know, you can kind of see behind me, you can see the, I don't know if, how I point at it, but the Stanley cup right there. And like the, the people here, you know, you get, as Brett Hall with the Stanley cup and just the friendships and the, and the people here in St. Louis just made it so awesome. And so, um, when I had kids, I, I stayed here and, um, you know, I'm happy here. We travel because the weather's not always great, but, right. uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just part of my life now. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. My first duty station was Fort Leonard Woods. So 
Oh, I know okay. all about that. Yeah. yeah. That cold. Oh it gets cold. Yeah. It's <laughs> hot too. That's true. That's true. So we want to talk for just a few more minutes about the minor league. Um, it's it's a grind. It's a it's really tough. And um, you know, obviously most guys don't make it out of the minor league. So is the system set up to make to help guys succeed? Is kind of a throwaway question, but I want an answer to it. But then the real question is, is it worth it? Is it is the way it's set up and the, the system itself truly worth all of the grind and everything it takes from you? Well, I, I, I think if I, I would have to look at it a two different ways. So like when I went through the minor leagues, I didn't really know anything about the system. I mean, we're talking about late eighties, didn't even know anything about the draft. Um, and then that's just part of the system. I think now as guys get older, um, you start to see guys that are, you know, when you go through college, you don't stay in the minor leagues as long. They're looking for guys now to make an impact right away. I think the system has changed. So guys rush through faster, but also at the same time, it's a decent, now they can make a decent amount of money playing baseball, even if you don't get called up, you know, probably more than most guys will make, you know, changing tires or, you know, driving for UPS. I I don't know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, I, I think it can be worth the grind, but I think it's all in your own heart. You know, I don't know how guys do it for 11 years, 10, 11 years bouncing around, um, you know, the travel, even at the upper levels is by plane, but you're still getting up at four in the morning, traveling day at games. Um, it's not glamorous, you know, you're away from your family. It's hard to have a family when you're living in, you know, I played in Edmonton for, you know, a couple months in Vancouver across the border again. And, you know, got guys from California playing in Buffalo and where else in the world. So, um, yeah, I think it's not glamorous. I think it's changed a lot. Like I said, the guy's, you're getting a lot of guys out of college now that kind of bounce right through and you're drafting arms, a lot of the arms and guys that are almost ready. And that's a big deal. So I don't think the grind is out there anymore unless you want it. But the one thing I did um, realize is also teams draft to fill teams. You know, they're not always drafting to get a guy right to the big leagues. They'll sometimes draft a team. You know, they're they're looking for two, three left-handed hitters. They're looking for pitchers. They're looking for this. Yeah, they are looking for the the one and two, three-round guys that are um, going to make an impact instantly. But all the way down through, they're looking to fill voids in the minor leagues. And some of those guys just flourish and take off. And some of those guys just fill the void to throw teams on the field for you know five and six years. So. Um, hopefully you recognize which one you are and, and you get a chance to, you know, move up. And if you don't, they kind of, it's like an age bracket. Like when you're above, you know, 23, you're not an A ball anymore. And if you haven't moved up, you know, you're probably not going to get a chance. And, you know, that same age now in double A, you know, it's like, oh, there's kids in the big leagues that are, you know, the majority of the kids in the big leagues now are 26 to 22. It's crazy. Every time I look at another kid, I'm like, he's 23, he's 22, he's 26. This guy's been around forever. He's 26. I'm like, yeah. So the game's a lot younger. Um, but I think the minor leagues is, you know, you have to go through it. You have to experience it. And you, uh, as a high school player, just pick. Are you going to go to college for three or four years? Or are you going to go, you know, or if you have the opportunity to sign for a lot of money that might change your life and go to the minor leagues or go to college, get an education that could change your life if you don't make it. So, you know, it's like anything else. I think you got to pick your path and what works for you. Um, I slept on some floors, on some buses. I slept in the, uh, when I was really uh, in the minor leagues early, I was still kind of small. And so I slept on the uh, the overhead luggage rack a couple of times. That stuck <laughs> up there. And I spent my 21st birthday on a bus from Palm Springs to Reno, Nevada for 14 hours. So whoa, man. Uh, looking back, that was part of it. Yeah. And to get here, I was 17 when I got drafted. So to get here is what I needed to do. Um, because college wasn't, you know, didn't work for me. So I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's all a story. Yeah. So as, as far as the route that guys take, would you recommend somebody go to the minor leagues instead of college? Or do you think that for some guys, college is the developmental route? As far as like take the education out of it, just strictly baseball development, which way would you recommend for somebody? I, I think it's, I think it's either way. I think um, I look at it the other way is the education is the education for you is, are you the school type? You know, 
because I think you'll get more baseball in the minor leagues because you're playing every day. You're getting almost as much baseball in college, but school is there, you know, so you have to juggle. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say one or the other is better, but I also think that if you're not a school person, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? You, if I don't want to go to college for three years and put in that work, then it's not for you because it definitely, um, going to school now and, and, and skipping classes and getting fake grades, is not out there anymore. You know, it's not that, that life and you got to keep up and, and do both and bring home homework and take stuff on the road and you're missing school and you got to catch up. So I think it's changed a lot. And I really think personality wise is can you handle school or not? That's I think you're awesome. going to get developed. You're going to get developed both ways. I, I look at now one of the guys that I played double a with is now the head Stanford coach. Another guy that I played against my whole career is the Arizona coach. You know, it just, you go through and all these guys are ex big league players. They're going to teach you, you know, it's a, you know, yeah. look at Matt holidays at Oklahoma, you know, yeah. as an assistant coach. And so you're going to get that. Um, you're going to get that knowledge one way or the other. It's just, like I said, what is school for you or not? Yeah. It makes sense. Great. Last question for you. Um, not baseball related, actually, you're getting married. And you've decided to get married in Italy. So congratulations. First congratulations on your homework. <laughs> yeah. She just look at she just brought me this. Oh wow, I have, nice. I, I've been on the phone all morning and so um she knows I haven't eaten. And so So why Italy, first of all? Well, I've been married before and she has not. And I just thought it, it, it feels different, it feels better, it feels right. And I said, What would you like to do? Let's do something different. And we don't want a lot of people. So let's see how far can we go away where people won't want to go. <laughs> yeah. and you know, what's really crazy is a lot of people want to go. And I'm like, wait, you sure you want to go all the way to Italy? Um, no, I'd be like, twist uh, my arm, twist yeah. my arm. I didn't realize that people like to go to Italy. So um, the other reason too is um, playing baseball. You don't, for me, I never really traveled. And uh, I've never been over there. I've never been to Europe. I've never been to Paris. I've never been to Italy. I've never been to Greece. You know, I've never seen anything. So it was kind of my introduction to, okay, it's time to start traveling over there. And why not? Let's check it out. And it's really funny. As someone said, if you're going to go to Italy in this area, we're, uh, Lake, she loves Lake Como. And so um, I know some people over there. And I said, where would you like to go? And her side and my side both said, stay at this hotel if you can. It's it's put, it's put booked. It's going to be impossible, but this is where you want to stay. And it's like a friend of mine and George Clooney are good friends. And I said, can you ask him where he would stay? And he goes, well, I'm over there all the time with him, so I know what he's going to say. So uh, my fiance calls and, you know, we said, we, this is what we want to do. And they're like, yeah, we're booked. And we're like, we figured. And then they called back and said, we have one day open where you can have the whole weekend you know, one day to get married, but we have rooms this whole weekend. And it, and we're just like, sold. Got you it. know, and it's like, awesome. so I went to my um, bosses at um, TV for, for Valley Sports. And I said, okay, well, I have good news and bad news. And they're like, well, what's the bad news? It's like, well, I'm, the good news is I'm getting married. The bad news is it's in the last two weeks of the season because the only time we can do it. So <laughs> I need to quit working on September 20th. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were like, oh, no. And they were looking at me, and it was just at the time where um, Brad, it was just me and Brad from now on. And uh, they're like, okay, we got to check and see if Brad can work the last two weeks straight. <laughs> and I said, well, you're going to have to find somebody else if not. And uh, she just walked in and she's looking at me like, um, <laughs> so yeah, so it was all her choice. I gave her whatever. She, no, I'm kidding. Um, that's going to be fun. Smart man. Yeah. So we, yeah. we got the hotel and it's on the lake and uh, it'll be really special. That's awesome. Cool. That'll be really cool. Yeah, For real. Congratulations. Cool. For real. For real. <laughs> we both endorse marriage wholeheartedly. So yeah. we well, then I can grow my beard out and like disappear. Right. That's right. There you go. You can hide yep. your hands. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think she would go for that. Just but thank you. Right now. Thank you so much again for coming on with us. We really appreciate having you, Jim. It was cool. Excellent, fantastic conversation. Um, was there anything you wanted to plug while you're on or anything like that? Or uh, No, not really. All I mean, right. Don't Let's have anything to plug. Case. Yeah. 
Yeah. Half the time. Watch the Cardinals Only game. when I'm working, not when Brad's working. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Get your <laughs> there ratings you up. Yeah, when you write that go. book, let us know and we'll have to have you come back on. Oh, yeah. Just that book. Can, yeah. Whatever that book is. I'm actually been uh, I've been approached that it wasn't basically by um about me. It was more about like what I would tell the younger me. And I thought, hmm, might be an interesting concept, but I don't know. I'm not been a you know, I don't I don't really feel like I'm a about me kind of guy. So I'm just like, I don't know if I want to like subject myself to you know, more people telling me I suck, you know, what I mean? like, <laughs> already had enough of that for 17 years. So That's you fair. stand out in center field in Chicago, New York, you'll hear it enough. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But thank you again so much for having us. Um, hopefully we can have you back on another time. Anytime. Thank you. Have a good day. You guys appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. Well, baseball family, thank you again for joining us for that amazing interview. We had a whole lot of fun talking to Jim Edmonds. We hope you had a whole lot of fun listening to it. Um, but let us know, like we say every single time, who else you would like to hear from. Um, we're serious. If there's somebody you yeah, want want us to get on the show, let us know. Jump in the mailbag on BaseballTogether.com or hit the link down in the description of every single episode, audio, video, all of it. It's all It's always there. There's always a link in the description, just like there's always money in the banana stand. Always. Brad, I got to tell you, um, it was hard for me to not eat sunflower seeds during that interview. Not because of the interview, just because of the sunflower seeds. I am pounding my most recent bag of Chinook Cedaries Parmesan and Pepper. I opened a new bag, and I think we should do a giveaway for our listeners. Um, You're right. But. For those of you who want to try your own, they have a sample pack and you can get 10% off the sample pack. Actually, you get 10% off everything at Chinook Cedary and using code BTPOD. And we're going to put together that giveaway and bring it to you because you guys deserve it. That's, Best seeds ever. Yeah. Awesome. ChinookCedary.com, BTPOD at checkout. Check it out. You, you save money and help the podcast. Cool. Um, but also, the other way you can support the podcast or another way you can support is on Patreon. Jump on, become a patron, and we call you our rooters because we root together, right? For the home team and whatever. Anyway, there are three tiers, five, ten, and fifteen dollar a month tiers that come with a t-shirt, hat, whatever. Um, it's a lot of fun. And you get the bullpen cut. So you get to see some of the behind the scenes stuff with Jim Edmonds that we could not air on the regular episode because we like to keep things family friendly. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I think yeah. the bullpen cut is. I think that alone is worth it, but that's just my opinion. It's a good opinion, Brad. It's a good opinion. <laughs> Don't forget also you can support the shop by or support the show by jumping on the shop at nineplusus.com. That's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com. Got my 42 t-shirt on today. I think Brad's wearing what? Pirate baseball. Is that what I said? Pirate say? baseball. Pirate yeah. baseball. Anyway, we got more stuff coming. More stuff is going. Um, as we continue to clean stuff up. So jump on and grab yourself some baseball merch and help support the show that way as well. Baseball or at 9plusus.com. You can get there at baseballtogether.com too. You can. That's true. There's a honest. link there for you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And please like, subscribe, rate, review. Let us know about what you think. Share your comments on YouTube and anywhere else that you can. And baseball family, thank you again so much for joining us. We appreciate your listenership and we will catch you next week. Next week.